Good morning. Are we awake? Are we ready? Ready for some image bearer conversation? Um, as Khalid mentioned, we are in our last week of the image bearer season and through our series, not season, series. And throughout this series, we've been talking about identity statements that God has given us in his word um, to talk about what it means to be a bearer of God's image. And so we've talked about being um, made in God's image. We've talked about being masterpieces. We've talked about being clay. And today we're going to talk about being new creations. And so this morning, um, our identity statement is that we are new creations, which frees us up to experience freedom and life in the spirit for others. And we're going to talk about all of those pieces throughout the morning, but just sit and listen for this minute on this sentence. We are new creations, which frees us up to be, to experience freedom and live life in the spirit for others. Now, throughout all of his letters, Paul uses this language of being made new, and he phrases it as putting on a new thing or putting off an old thing. And it conjures up the idea of clothing, right? You put on a new jacket or you take off a jacket that doesn't fit, Well, when I think about this, I immediately go to thinking of my nieces playing dress up. My nieces love dress up. They have a whole box in my mom's house of dress up clothes. And my niece that um, is now eight, when she was four, she went through this Elsa phase, right? So the movie Frozen had just come out. She really, really, really wanted to be Elsa, like in all of life. Um, And so she would request her Elsa dress like at all times. Um, And one particular uh, Black Friday, so the day after Thanksgiving, we were going to go out shopping and she begged because we have a rule about dress up clothes outside of the house. Apparently it's not allowed in my family. Um, But, you know, when Tia comes into town, she bends the rules just a little bit. And so she begged, can I please wear my Elsa dress out to the mall? I just want everyone to see how pretty I am. And so why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's put the braid in. Let's do the whole nine yards. I'm going to walk around the mall with a little tiny Elsa, um, which is a little confusing because in the actual movie, um, Elsa is like Scandinavian, I think. And so she has blonde hair, blue eyes. And my niece is probably like as opposite as you can get of that. She is a quarter Mexican and she has this like really short uh, black hair and she does not look like Elsa, but she rocks that Elsa dress like no Nobody's business and she just kills it and throughout the years as she's grown she's gone out of the Elsa phase she went through a chef phase so we got her like a chef's jacket she went through a cape phase where she really wanted to be a superhero so she has a supergirl outfit um, she has other Disney princesses and every day in her life is a day to like put on a new uh, outfit to be a new person. She wears leotards to be ballerinas. She wants to be a gymnast, even though she can't do a somersault to save her life. Like she wants to put these clothes on and be that person. And that's the idea that is conjured up when Paul talks about putting on a new creation. There are things in our lives, moments of our lives that we put on clothes that give us an identity. Maybe it's a soccer uniform, a letter jacket, a doctor's jacket, nurses, scrubs, whatever it is that creates this kind of persona of who you are, when you put it on and you feel that weight of the identity of that thing. 
I remember the first time that I um, had my ordination stole placed upon my shoulders and the weight of this call of being a pastor, of being ordained in the covenant church and what that meant on my shoulders. You feel this weight of an identity on your shoulders. And there are moments in our lives that we can change identities based on what clothes we put on. But one identity has to stay the same, the identity of being a new creation in Christ. And that's the thing that we're going to talk about this morning and break down just a little bit more. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for the incredible and overwhelming love that you have bestowed upon us. And this morning, as we dive into your word, God, would you open our eyes and ears to what you have for us this morning? Would you open our hearts to receive your word and your spirit, God? Be in this space with us this morning and speak to us. In your holy name we pray, amen. Well, you heard the passage of 2 Corinthians read for us. So if you have your Bible or if you can reach forward and grab that Bible in the pew, we're going to be camping out in 2 Corinthians 5. So if you want to just open to that section, we're going to talk all about what Paul is saying here And while you're turning to that, there are a couple other scriptures that Paul has written, um, other letters to other churches that we want to highlight that just show you the continuity of this message across all of Paul's writing. So um, on the screen, you'll see Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You'll see something similar in Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Throughout all of his ministry, Paul's motivation for sharing the gospel is God's deep, deep love. God's deep love for his people that he would send his son to walk um, the earth sinless to die for us. Paul is so sure of this that he writes time and time again of this gospel message. And in our passage of 2 Corinthians, this is very, very true. Right before um, the verses that we read this morning in verse 15, it says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. In his letter, Paul is reminding us the ministry of Jesus. That Jesus came to walk on the earth because we were dead in sin and needed to be reconciled, to be made right with God. God knew that there was this separation between us and him. So he sent his son down to the earth to make it right. Because we could not do enough to be made right with God. God had to send his son so that we could be reconciled to God. There's no part in this equation that is our doing. God sent his son. This is reconciliation. That God has to um, send his son to die for us so that we can be made right with God. There's no other way. 
Paul uses this language. He calls back to the creation story um, in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. This is awesome news. We are new creations. We are reconciled to God and we are made new. This is the gospel story, right? There is a before and an after for us. We can call this conversion. That's a word that we use in the church. That's basically what Paul is talking about here is that there was a before we knew about God and an after we knew about God. And even if you were raised in the church, there is a moment in your life that you remember thinking, this Jesus thing, that's for real. And you gave your life to Christ. Maybe it was once, maybe it was a few times, but there was a moment for you that it clicked, that you were made right with God through Jesus. We all have a conversion experience. We all have a story of when we know that moment to be true. And so the question is, what does it change for us? What happens in that conversion moments that we are given freedom, freedom to live life in the spirit. Verse 16 in 2 Corinthians 5 says, so from now on, we regard no one from the worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. This uh, last week in youth group, we started a new series on spiritual practices, getting ready for Lent. And so we did a spiritual practice um, that is called Dwell in the Word. And we took a passage of scripture to really dwell in. And shocker, I used this one. Right? I needed some sermon prep. And so I gathered our high school students around and I said, let's read this scripture in three different translations. And let's talk about what it means. Ask your questions. Tell me what captures your imagination. What's going on in your heads? And in our um, style that we do, the questions started flowing. The questions started flowing so much that we actually didn't have time to get to the answers. We discussed, we asked questions, we let it flow. And then at the end of the night, I had to say, if you want to know the answers to your questions, be at church on Sunday morning and I'll address it within the sermon. So here we go. High schoolers, I promise I would give you the answers. One of the questions we had is in this verse 16, where it talks about the worldly point of view. In other translations, it says the human point of view. In other translations, it says just a new perspective. But all the translations are talking about a change from something before to something after. And the word originally used here in the language is the word for flesh, which is translated a lot of different ways in the New Testament, which is why we see in this scripture, sometimes it says worldly, sometimes it says human, sometimes they just forget that word and just say there's a new perspective. But what Paul is trying to get at is that you no longer regard the world around you as temporary. That this flesh, this physical body, this physical world that we are part of, that is not the only thing in our world. That is not the only thing in our future. And we know this to be true if we um, confess our faith in Jesus, that there is another future ahead of us. And Paul is saying that he used to regard Jesus in this worldly way. That before he had his experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus, he thought that Jesus was just another man. He only saw the humanness of Jesus. 
But when he had this encounter with Jesus, when Jesus called him by name and healed him from his blindness, he was able to say, wait, there's something different. And so he's saying that this worldly perspective that he used to have, he no longer has. He has been made new and has a new perspective. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. This is what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying that before he lived one way and after he lived another. Commentaries on this passage talk about these two verses, 16 and 17, as laying out the two outcomes of life in Christ that we gain a new outlook on others and the world around us, and that there is an act of new creation. That the God who created the world, who created us in our mother's wombs, is now creating a new act of creation in us through Jesus. These are the two outcomes of knowing Jesus. We have a new outlook on the world around us, and we are new creations. We trade an old identity for a new identity. And in Paul's time, in all of these scriptures that we read, in all of the letters he's writing to all of these churches he's been to and he's started, he's saying there are people around you that only see the world for what is physically in front of them. There are people around you who want you to only think about what is physical on this earth. And he's saying, don't forget you have a new identity. You've been given a new mindset by Jesus. And you trade the old self-centered identity to a Jesus-centered orientation. You trade the idea that the physical world is all that matters to you, and you trade it for the fact that Jesus came and died for you so that you're able to have new life. You're reorienting your life around Jesus. And this gives us freedom. This is the freedom that we talk about in the spirit, that we are no longer bound to this physical world, but we have freedom to think about other things, to live life for the kingdom of God and not for the kingdom of this world. Because when you know that this physical world is not all that there is, there's so much more to live for. You're not worried about just getting ahead or just getting what the things you need are. You can think about the kingdom in a different perspective. That's the freedom. In each of these examples, what Paul is saying is for us to remember that we are new creations, to remember that we have this freedom. And sometimes I think we forget that. I think we forget that there is freedom to live life in the spirit as Christ would have us live it. And that comes in a lot of different ways. That comes in, um, in shame, in sin. It comes in the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see the world around us. We forget that we have been made free, that we have been made new and that the world looks different around us. Denver-based pastor Nadia Bowles-Weber says it like this, what makes the gospel so meaningful is that it offers us a form of brain spackle to fill in the deeply worn neural grooves in our brains where harmful thoughts have funneled through over and over. 
When we think about the world as being solely physical, when we think about um, the sinful things of the world, we create these neural pathways. We think about things in a certain way over and over and over again. And maybe those lies are in our own lives, and maybe those lies are about the world around us. But if we keep thinking that way, it becomes second nature. When we keep thinking these sinful things, these things that are not of God, it becomes over and over again second nature. And what Nadia is saying here is that the gospel is like a spackle that fills in those grooves that says it can be different now. You don't have to live the way that you've always lived. You don't have to think about yourself in that negative way anymore. You don't have to see the world that way because of Jesus. And that is what the freedom is. That is why the gospel is so compelling, is because we are able to be free and to live life as Jesus would have us live it. We get to have freedom, and that is good news. But it doesn't stop there. It continues on. Paul says in verses 18 through 20, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And that God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore ambassadors of Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We were made new for a purpose. And sometimes in the church, we think about being made new as simply for ourselves. There's a professor of New Testament named Scott Halfman in his, in his commentary about this passage. He says this, the new things have happened in Christ. However, they are not private spiritual experiences, but in a new way of life that derives from the reorientation. It is not meant to solely be a private spiritual experience. Yes, there is that first moment, a private spiritual experience where you interact with Jesus and your life changes and you're no longer the same that you were before. That is absolutely a part of the freedom. But the second part of the freedom is that you have to move outside of yourself. The second part of your freedom is that you have to have freedom for others. This passage, when we read it, is the gospel message very clearly played out. We were dead before, we were given new life, we put on a new creation, and then we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. We are called to live in this world as Christ's ambassadors. Throughout this series, we've talked about how all of these identity statements give us an identity, a right, a privilege, and a responsibility. And the responsibility of being a new creation is to live as if we are a new creation in a world that so desperately needs us to be new creations. So desperately needs us to live out of our freedom, to live out of our free from shame, free from sin, free from transgressions, to live that way so that the world can live that way. And so my question that we have before us is what part of that do we need to pick up this morning? What part have we struggled with? 
Maybe you're sitting in here this morning and the thing that you're struggling with is claiming that identity of being a new creation for yourself. Maybe there have been things that have happened to you or that you have done and you need to lay those things down and pick up the new creation jacket. Maybe you need to take off the one that you had and put on the new creation and just spend time with Jesus remembering that you are called child, beloved, masterpiece, chosen, fearfully and wonderfully made a new creation. Maybe this morning what you're experiencing is that you need to be remember that you need to be teachable that you need in this next season of life to remember what it means to be um, chosen and remember what it means to continue to grow in your relationship with God. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you're realizing that your freedom has only stayed within yourself and that you haven't thought about the others and the worlds around you the way that Christ would the way that Christ walked when he was on this earth, the way that he calls us to live for others. But here's the thing. This week starts Ash, is Ash Wednesday, starts the Lenten season, and we are going to be going on a Lenten season, um, a journey of transformation. And so what is it, as you walk into the Lenten season, what is it that you need to work through? What is it that you need to claim as your identity or your responsibility? What is it that you need to put on and put off? That's what the Lenten season is for, is for channeling our energies into our relationship with God, to take these 40 days and to sit with him and to know what it is he would have for us. So as we prepare for Lent, as we go into Ash Wednesday, my hope for you is that this morning you would recognize that there is something that you need to take off and something you need to put on. That there is an identity that you can put on and feel the weight on your shoulders of being a new creation. Feel that weight, not because it's heavy, but because it is a marker. Because it is something that forms who you are as a person. We are new creations. We are given the freedom to live life in the spirit, and we are able to do this for the world around us. Put on a new identity this morning, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, and watch the good things that God will do. Would you pray with me? God, you have done a great work. You have reconciled us to you through Christ. And God, this morning as we prepare to come to the table, God, would you, would you speak truth to us? Would you give us your words? Would you interact with us in this place? And God, as we come to you and as we ask you what needs to be made new in our own lives, God, would you whisper gently to us? We pray all these things in your name. Amen.